You're focused on making important decisions to take your company to the next level. But who's counting? We are. Counting on trends and insight to move your business forward, operationally and strategically. Focused on helping executives achieve their highest potential. But Who's Counting is a podcast shedding light on and breaking down critical issues and opportunities for businesses. Brought to you by Anders CPAs and Advisors. All right, welcome back to another episode of the But Who's Counting podcast. I'm your host, Dave Hartley. Today, my guest is Jody Grunden. Jody is a unique individual. I think I'd safe to call him that. Welcome, Jody, to the show. Yeah, thanks, Dave. So I've gotten to know Jody over the last six months or so. Jody is a entrepreneur. And over that time, we were able to work something out where his firm, Summit CPA Group, has joined Anders CPAs and Advisors. Jody, that's obviously a big deal. So that transaction closed on April 1st. So congratulations. And give us a little bit of why that made sense for you to do that and kind of what your thoughts are on what's next with that combination. Yeah, sure. So when we started uh, Summit back in 2002, uh, we were looking for basically to change the way that people thought about accounting in, in different terms. And so we didn't want to be a traditional tax practice. We didn't want to be a traditional audit practice. We didn't want to go down that route. We wanted to go a route that we could help businesses and small businesses in particular, uh, help them grow and help them, you know, kind of bring that virtual CFO, we call it, uh, package from that every big company has to the small entrepreneur and really kind of help them uh, figure things out. And so, you know, with that uh, growth, you know, it, it took off, pre- it, it took off pretty well, you know, from 2002, uh, all the way to about 2013. And then from there, it just really blew up. Uh, it was more dynamic with the way that technology brought uh, the opportunity to actually work virtually. So our team went virtual in 2013. And then uh, working virtually with the clients was really easy at that point. It was becoming more acceptable. And, you know, as we were able to work with clients on a weekly basis, meeting with them and really kind of helping them with cash, helping them with profit, you know, that sort of thing, uh, it just pretty much ramped up. And, it, and we, we doubled our size basically every three years. And so the growth was huge. And so when it came to, you know, fast forward after the after the pandemic where, now, now people are, you know, very open to working virtual mm-hmm. uh, and the employees as well as, uh, you know, clients, you know, they, they, they have no problem having not have to have that uh, CFO on the other side of the desk type of thing where they can instead they where they can simply call them or video chat with them or something like that. You know, the, the explosion is pretty big. And we thought this would this would be a great opportunity. Dave and his team, you know, met us back in September, October and posted the idea that, hey, wouldn't it be pretty cool to, instead of doubling your size, you know, going from uh, almost uh, 10 million last year to 20 million in three years, why, why don't we like triple our size, get to that uh, 40 or $50 million mark in, in a very quick pace. So we thought, well, that's a, that's a definitely a challenge that excited me because uh, to be honest with you, as an entrepreneur, I kind of got bored at that point because mm-hmm. we kept hitting our goals. You know, it was, it was one of those things we we would set a revenue goal and then we'd exceed the revenue goal. That was like, okay, well, what's next? And so it just became a revenue chase. We were just chasing uh, revenue and profits as a goal, which is which is great for a business. But uh, the, the excitement, you know, really kind of waned a little bit. And so when we had that opportunity and thinking, well, hey, instead of just doubling our size in three years, why, why, if we could if we could do a lot more, you know, that was pretty exciting. But it had to come with the perfect perfect team. You know, the uh, there's a lot of firms out there that would look at what we do and you know, kind of try to change it. And we didn't want, we didn't want somebody to change us and we didn't want to mold into somebody's existing environment and just, you know, kind of disappear. We didn't want that either. 
So we're looking for a partner that would take what we have currently and uh, keep it together and use it as a you know, stepping stone or a foundation to really blow up their own firm in a great way. Got it. So let's, so 2013, you guys went hundred percent remote. So tell us what that was like. Basically, when you talk about being an entrepreneur, that's trying something that really at that point, hundred percent remote really wasn't a thing. Yeah, it wasn't a thing at all, actually, uh, which is kind of funny because in 2013, well, actually, if you step back, you know, just a couple of years before that, 2011, we picked up our very first fully remote company, and it was a company out of Rhode Island. And uh, with that, uh, they became a virtual CFO. So we are, you know, basically one of our clients. And we're like, well, how can we actually manage a client that that's it's that far away? And we figured so, it out. So if the client's business is 100% remote, you had to figure out as a service provider how to deliver a 100% remote service for them. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. And so basically, you know, we, we learned a ton. So they learned a ton from us on how to manage their business. We learned a ton from them on how to actually run a remote company. And so every idea or every, you know, notion that I have that, you know, that, that is some at CPA group really came from somebody else. And it was one of those things that I wish I could think of all these things myself, but what we we try to do is we try to pick and choose what really works and make that work even better. And so we went fully remote. There was at that point, according to Forbes, there's only about 125 companies in the world that were fully remote. And we were one of those, which was kind of cool. Uh, kind of bad too, because once the Forbes published the article in like 2014, 2015, our, our basically our inboxes got blown up because every, we had everybody in the world trying to send resumes to us. And so we would receive literally two, three, 4,000 resumes a year easily mm-hmm. for all these folks that wanted to join the team. And at that point, we didn't have enough business for that, which was kind of a bummer because the resumes are awesome. You know, these mm-hmm. are partners and accounting firms. These were executives that wanted to, to kind of get out of the rat race of you know, working downtown, you know, all the different things that you hear about today, why people in a remote work remote, you know, it was happening back then. So, and, and those, those people that were reaching out to you, they heard something new, they liked it, they were interested. So that's kind of the exact type of employee that you want is are those people that are constantly going to push and look for what's next. So yeah, that, that would be excruciating to not be able to hire all of these good people that you know, yeah. want to come work with you. It was excruciating not to be able to look through all the resumes. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> just the keeping yeah. up with the volume. Yeah, 2000 resumes is tough. And so as an entrepreneur, you got to figure out, well, how can we actually manage the resume flow now? Now that we've got uh, clients that want to work remote and then now we've got uh, our clients that, ha- uh, that want us to work remote and then have employees that want to remote work remote. You know, how do we balance the two? And so we had to come up with all different ways on how to automate things to make that workflow even better. So so let's talk about that because a lot of small to mid-sized businesses struggle as they grow with doing things ad hoc and you're nibble and you can make changes and that's great. But then the wheels start to come off the bus as you start to grow. So talk to us about how you guys over time started to layer in technology systems processes as you scaled. Yeah, that's a great question. I'm a big philosophy or a big uh, reader of uh, Michael Gerber's E-Myth uh, Revisited. And uh, what he does is he, his idea is developing processes that can be repeatable. And when we first started the very first you know day, I hired Adam, my uh, partner, right out of college. We didn't have the business form, really. So I was working on credit cards. I was living on credit cards and supporting his family. So it was one of those things that I knew couldn't last for a long time, but it was one of the steps I had to take in order to, to, to do what we needed to do. And so what I didn't want to do is I didn't want to open up a, an accounting firm and then it'd be the Adam and you know Jody accounting firm, the Jody and Adam or the Hale and Grundon or whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. I want it to be bigger than that. Everything that we did, we had to figure out how, how can we, how can this be repeatable? You know, when you fast forward through all the mistakes that you would make, you know, as an entrepreneur, 
Uh, the biggest thing I wanted to do is I wanted to see or to make myself what I call the least valuable person on the team. In order to have a sellable business, the entrepreneur can't be the business. And uh, that's what I was afraid would happen initially. And I wanted to make sure that didn't happen. Developing all these processes to replace me from day one was the uh, was the key. And it took a while. It took almost 15 years in order to get that accomplished. So it wasn't an overnight type of thing. But after 15 years, you know, I was truly in a position where I could you know, win the lottery, get hit by a bus, whatever, whatever you want to say. And, and the business would keep going without you. Exactly. Yeah. So your, your personal mission statement is to change the way that the world thinks about accounting. How do you want the world to think about accounting? Yeah, accounting should be the person, when a, when a business looks at an accountant, they should be looking at the person that's going to help them get to the next level financially. Uh, not the person that's doing a tax return or the person's doing an audit or doing any kind of compliance type work, but the person that... And th- those are all good things. All good but, things. Super good things. Yeah. Uh, but I, I, went, I went the small business owner, look, hey, this is my strategist. This is my person that's going to be sitting next to me uh, that I can ask questions to that maybe I can't ask somebody on the team, you know, mm-hmm. especially when it comes to cash. It's, you know, you don't want to ask the person next beside you, hey, how do you think we can come up with enough money to pay, cover payroll next week? Or, mm-hmm. you know, those are sensitive questions yeah, that obviously fairly, could yeah. go the wrong way. Fairly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. So, you know, that that's the business strategist, you know, that person that's going to be there and really kind of help and coach and, you know, be with that entrepreneur and, and not just a short term, but that, you know, that, that's going to be the long term play. So, you know, with our clients, you know, they've been on average about four plus years with us. We get a really high retention rate of about 94, 95%. And I think that's because, you know, we develop that relationship with the entrepreneur to where, you know, they text us, they'll call us, they'll ask us just random advice throughout the time. And that's cool. I think uh, over time, you know, that what I'm hoping will happen with the accounting where the accounting will, you know, go away from the compliance type of uh, look that it is today uh, to more of a strategic look. Historically, accounting has been about financial results of the past. This is what happened. I think what I'm hearing from you is really that focus should be on how do we influence the financial results of the future and how do we make the business more successful as opposed to just making sure that we accounted for what happened accurately. 100%. So like when we talk to our clients or when we meet with our clients, you know, even if it's on a monthly basis for some, uh, we'll spend maybe 10 to 15 minutes talking about the past, just like you mentioned, Dave. So it's like we're talking about, hey, here's what you went right, here's what went wrong. But more importantly, now we're going to sit down and go through, hey, what's happening over the next 10 months? You know, what's happening over the next 12 months? Some people, it's what's happening. You know, how does this last month affect or impact what happens two years from now? Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of that can be uh, looked at and predicted based on the past results. And so we're, we're looking at that on a constant basis. And again, if if you're coming to us from 2004 to 2000, you know, 22 now, you would come to us because we're not, the, the accountants are looking backwards or the accountants are looking forward. That's really the key. When I can sit down, especially during a pandemic, a client comes to me and they've got, you know, maybe four or five of their biggest clients left them. You know, how does that impact their business now? And that's a sure. panic mode for a lot of people. And when we can kind of sit down because we know the business really well, we can sit down and do some modeling really quick and help the client, That uh, that's huge. What happens maybe the next two days, you know, during the pandemic, it was pretty often that the clients would call us maybe two, three times a week with different scenarios going through their head. Hey, what mm-hmm. if I lay this person off? Or what happens here? What, you know, how's that going to impact my business? How? Because mm-hmm. they, they knew that, hey, we had control of their financials. We understood their financials. We understood where they're going. And we could actually break it down very simple for them so that they could make very informed decisions versus knee-jerk reactions. And I think that's a key point. 
I think a lot of small business owners, when they had to deal with those questions, it was like, okay, well, let's let's create a spreadsheet and then try to figure it out. What you guys have done is you've really integrated the tech stack with the expert professional services side of things. So that that combined tech stack, I think you could easily do those scenarios because you had already enabled the technology and the dashboards to be able to answer those questions. And I think that's just, that's a huge example of the value of that uh, to be able to respond quickly, much more so than what most small to mid-sized businesses were able to do during the pandemic or even today. For sure. Yeah. We, we were at one point a, a, an Excel shop. I think a lot of us, a lot of CPA firms out there are Excel shops. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is just like you'd mentioned, you know, Hey, well, we can do some really cool spreadsheets and uh, that works great, but that doesn't scale. And you can't have, you know, if you make one change in one spreadsheet, that's not going to impact everybody that's using that same or similar mm-hmm. type of spreadsheet. And so we had to do exactly what you're saying. We had to come up with technology or find technology that we could scale, that one C- CFO could could use that exact same technology for another CFO to give that exact same type of result to an, another client. And so that's where the scaling came. Because again, as we have people, you know, have people come in and out of the company or people grow within the company, we, we want to make it very scalable for them. And it's, it's really, you can't scale if you've got tons of different spreadsheets all over the place and people have to figure out what you did or how you did it. And when you come up with a specific program like forecasting software or cash flow software that everybody could use, then it's really easy to plug and play. So I can Bring in the next accountant, like, you know, let's say, again, that that uh, lottery uh, hit where one of our accountants won the lottery. There's no panic, really. It's just, okay, well, let's bring this new accountant and put him in, put him in this position or her in this position. And, and now she can flourish because she's using that same technology that everybody else is using. Which so is con- cons- consistent set of dashboards. So they, the same tools they're using to interact with clients are there. So, mm-hmm. so let's, let's talk about taking risk and failure. As an entrepreneur over the last 20 years, I'm sure you had things that went exceptionally great and you had things that did not turn out so great. How do you assess risk and and making those decisions? Because I think that's a big question for a lot of business owners. Other than the pandemic, most businesses have been doing pretty well. A lot of businesses are thinking, okay, well then what's next? And how do I move my business forward, especially given how much the world has changed in the last couple of years? What's your philosophy on how you assess risk and then how you think about which risks you want to take and why? Yeah, I think all entrepreneurs have you know, basically a risk. They, 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 they embrace risk. And the reason why is because in order to start a business up, that's one of the biggest risks you could ever take in your life. You're going from, you know, a secure paycheck somewhere to possibly not having a paycheck. Oh, and paying everybody else while not possibly having a paycheck. And oh, and by the way, you've got a spouse at home that also wants to have, have you know, a mm-hmm. life and, and, and is bugging you about, hey, I don't have that. Why don't we have the money or why don't we have the paycheck or whatever that mm-hmm. might be? So that the risk is, is there for an entrepreneur. And I think, you know, with that, you have to really embrace risk. Risk kind of leads you to success. However you want to define success, whether it's, you know, hitting a certain dollar amount, whether it's hitting a certain education level, whether it's hitting, you know, a marriage, how long, how long you're married, whatever that success is to you, risk is all a part of it. Mm-hmm. And it's just, are you willing to take that next step in order to, uh, you know, achieve your goals? That's kind of where we stood from the very beginning. You just don't want to jump off a cliff and not realize what's down there. So you want to take a calculated risk. So let's kind of back up on that one there. Well, and the biggest risk that we took was, you know, just going virtual. You know, to be honest with you, there mm-hmm. were no companies out there doing it. There, there was no financial companies at that point in time, according to Forbes, that, you know, that of our size that were fully remote. 
you know, if it didn't work, guess what? We're probably flipping hamburgers the next day at McDonald's. Mm-hmm. Not that that's a bad thing, mm-hmm. but that's probably what we would have been doing uh, had we uh, had that failed. And, uh, you know, even when we took that risk, um, I own the business that I own the building that we actually had our, our, our team in back in Indiana. And I kept that available for about a year thinking, you know, hey, if it didn't work, you know, the worst case scenario is we can always we pull back. Fall in. back to yeah. physical location. Yeah. So there's always kind of like a safety blanket there when we did things. When we went out on our own, used my 401k, used the credit cards, whatever, whatever it took. But I always knew that, hey, there was a way that I could always fall back. You know, there's mm-hmm. always a fallback. You know, yeah, I could go back and work for another accounting firm. I could do something differently if it didn't, if it didn't work. So I guess all risks have the opportunity that you can actually kind of rewind a little bit if it's calculated enough. So, so one question I have to ask. So Jody is a personality that the vast majority of your wardrobe is short sleeve Hawaiian shirts. <laughs> so that's kind of your thing. And yeah. and that's what you're, that's one of the things that you're known for. Yeah, no, that's a great question. Um, yeah, I, I wasn't born in a Hawaiian shirt, which, um, but but that really came when, uh, you know, branding super important. And so branding, when it comes to your company, when it comes to yourself, at any time I'm at a CPA event, you know, they know who I am because mm-hmm. they can pick me right out. If they've never met me before, they never see me, they know who I am because I'm the one wearing the Hawaiian shirt. Um, how did that happen? It was kind of by complete accident actually I wish I could take a full full credit for it but uh, <laughs> there yeah. was a branding plan and you were gonna go the Hawaiian yeah. shirt route and it was not that <laughs> yeah so what happened was I was uh, we, we um, I attended a conference out in uh, California and uh, it was a, it was the first remote conference uh, it was put on by uh, a company called yonder there's probably 30 remote companies around and we uh, there are a lot of creative agencies there web design web development agencies there's probably four or five of those which are still like, real great friends of mine today we had the uh, traditional golf shirt, you know, with, uh, you know, dockers and all that kind of stuff. Is mm-hmm. what we wore. One of the owner, owners of companies there ran a creative agency, kind of like a think tank or a, uh, you know, a basically where they could, a, a little society type of thing where they could bring, you know, owners of creative agencies in together mm-hmm. and kind of talk about, you know, hey, here's what's working, here's what's not working. And uh, th- that gentleman came up to me and said, hey, would you be ever interested in talking finance, you know, in front of this group? And I'm like, yeah, sure, I could do that. And mm-hmm. And um, they said, you know, of course, you know, we didn't have any money back then. You know, we're so I'm, great opportunity, great opportunity. I'm mm-hmm. in California. My wife's in, in Indiana. I'm feeling pretty guilty. And um, and he, he goes, well, he goes, well, where is it at? And he's like, well, it's in New Orleans. I'm like, OK. And I go, and when is it? And he's like, in a couple of weeks. I'm like, yeah, I'll do it. And so I thought, man, this is going to be a tough, you know, tough conversation with my wife. You know, I just got back from So these are the Diego. early days living off uh, credit cards still? Still living off credit cards okay. and trying to make things work really mm-hmm. hard. Uh, you know, things are, you know, things were just not working. And so, you know, I, I got ready for the, you know, the, the talk, you know, they, and he, he said he didn't want a PowerPoint. He wanted me to just simply go up, talk what I, you know, basically say what I, what I, what I had on my mind, that mm-hmm. sort of thing. I thought, well, this is going to be kind of weird. And uh, at the same time, I pulled a muscle on my neck. I pulled it really bad, so bad I had to go to the chiropractor, and the chiropr- and my, I could hardly even move. I wasn't even sure I was going to make the plane trip to uh, New Orleans, and he said not to. And it was <laughs> so yeah. you went against medical advice. Oh, I did. It was horrible. It was uh, the flight down there was probably the most pain I've ever been. Cause so had how a, on earth does this get you in a Hawaiian oh. shirt? <laughs> Oh, it's, it, it's, I'm almost there. So okay. I, so I get to New Orleans and I'm ready to go. And I realize that my luggage is not oh, at the airport. Oh. 
Yeah. Your bag did not come with you. Bag did not come with me. <laughs> okay. And it's somewhere in Tennessee, and I'm in uh, New Orleans now. And you got a presentation the next day. Presentation the very next day. Okay. And so what happened was, I'm, you know, of course now my neck's killing me, and uh, I get out of the, I get, I get to the hotel, and there's a um, fashion mall right across where the where the cruise ships come in, and so I'm like, oh, that's cool. Perfect. I can walk over, get get some clothes real quick, mm-hmm. and I'm walking over. Man, it's pain, and I, I go ahead and get a uh, uh, some leave uh, for my my neck. I got a charger for my phone because my phone was dead, and I and, and just right across there was a, a Tommy Bahama uh, store, and I thought, wow, this is kind of cool. Maybe I could. Be a little different, you know. Okay, so you'd never done Tommy Bahama before that. Point. No, never, okay. had, never even, never even been in the store. And I go in there, and of course, you know, keep in mind I don't have a ton of money. And I, I go in, I'm looking at the <laughs> the price of these things. I was like, oh my gosh, 125 dollars <laughs> a shirt. I'm like, oh, this is good. Oh, I'm dead. Where's the clearance yeah. rack? <laughs> yeah, my my <laughs> wife. I'm just I, I can I can imagine she's gonna kill me. And so I went and got uh, I got two shirts, and of course you have to have shorts. So I got shorts and. And um, I went up to pay, and my credit card got denied. <laughs> I was like, "Oh no, this is embarrassing." I'm so like, you had to go down to just one shirt no, to get it through, or no, nope. So I I gave my other credit card, and it went through fine. Like, oh, perfect. So I was like, great. And so I thought, okay, well, let's go to the uh, get some shoes now, because of course I had no clothes, and and I there was a store next door. I went and went and got shoes, and and the guy helped me pick them out to match the Hawaiian shirt. I was pretty, uh, thinking this is pretty cool, and and uh, got up to pay, and my Next credit card got denied. I was like, <laughs> "What is going on here?" I, I had plenty of credit. I wasn't sure what, what was happening here, and I didn't think anything of it. And so then we had a, a dinner that night, uh, where they where they kind of a welcoming dinner with all the different companies. And, mm-hmm. and so this uh, is the first time you've tried first, this new look. First time I tried. Well, I didn't even have it. Yeah, first time I tried the new look. So I had the Hawaiian shirt on. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm at a you know, you know dinner with all these you know successful entrepreneurs. And um, I'm like, you know, I am the finance guy. I'm going to pick up the uh, appetizers. I'm, you know, I'm going to really kind of put a little pizzazz into things. And so I get up there and I pay for the appetizers. And my, Don't tell me your card was denied. Card got denied. <laughs> <laughs> I had no for cards. I was out of cards. Very impressive. Here's a guy in a Hawaiian shirt that says he's going to pick up the tab that's not able to pick up the yeah. tabs. So I reached, I talked to the guy next to me who I just met and said, hey, can you pick up the appetizer <laughs> and my food? I'll pay you in the, I'll pay you when I get in the morning. I'll pay you tomorrow. Yeah. 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 Right. And the guy's like, you know, hey, what's going on? He's like, oh, you, your, car, your card got frozen because of uh, you know, travel, travel production type of thing. And so I'm like, oh, okay. And so I went back to the hotel, called all the my cards, got them unfroze, and I came down, paid cash, and you know, I paid him cash, you know, for the uh, for helping me out. And uh, the bad thing was the whole time thing, you know, here's everything's going on. I still don't have a presentation. But he he told you not to prepare a presentation. He right? told me not to prepare, but man, I've got an hour and a half to talk. Okay, you know, that's a long time. Thirty yeah. people that are you know that are smarter and better than me of what they do, and and here I got to talk about finance, and so. The very first thing I did is I told that story, mm-hmm. and everybody just laughed. And so it was a great icebreaker. Because we've all been through something like that. Oh, yeah, That yeah. was a little bit extreme, what you were going through. So but, extreme. Yeah. Like, and I'm like, yeah, you're probably wondering why I have a Hawaiian shirt on, and I'm, we're, we're just talking. They're, they're, they're all laughing and everything. And at that time, I wasn't really on Twitter a lot, and Twitter is starting to blow up on me. And, and then um, – and then I go, you know, here what I'm going to do today is I'm going to say, hey, could, can any, you know, what if everybody increased their price by ten dollars? Could everybody get away with that? And I started asking different questions, and everybody's raising their hand. Yeah, we could do that, and no issues. I go, well, let me show you the impact. And so mm-hmm. I got the easel board out, and I started drawing down, basically breaking out how a service-based company can make money. And 
you know, with that, you know, one person can make $200,000, you know, $200,000 of revenue. I went through all the different stuff and I go, a, a team of 30 can do, you know, now, you know, whatever, the, whatever, whatever that dollar. So, so if your audience is non-financial people, they've probably never been through that thought process. Never, before. never okay. been through it before. And uh, with that, it came down to, I got, then I plugged it in and, and told them, hey, I want everybody to have 10% of their cash in the bank at all times, their revenue and, and cash. And so if they're a $3 million company, they should have about $300,000 in the bank there. And uh, how many people have that? And, and they're like, no, I, I'm like, well, let, let me show you how you can do that real quick. And then I just flipped on the $10, you know, changed one, 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 one thing in the formula by 10 bucks. And I go, well, here's how you got $300,000 more and you didn't really do anything. You didn't mm-hmm. pick up additional client. You just, you, and you didn't even increase your rate. You just increased the amount you could charge by not having to write things off. And it was like, wow, people are like, geez. That- so that workshop format of actually going through examples and case studies and yeah, it worked it resonated. Out. It worked out so well that, you know, they, uh, they're like, hey, you know, this was great. Twitter again blew up again. And they're like, hey, can you come back and do this again? I'm like, yeah, I could do it again. And I'm thinking the whole time. It was like, actually oh. fun for you. It was fun. Yeah. I, I had, had a great time. And, and uh, they said the next one's in Chicago. And I thought, Perfect. I only live three hours from Chicago. I can drive. My wife's not going to be mad. <laughs> and low, so low cost, low cost. Yeah. So then I, I, I did. And so I, I drove to Chicago, but this time I was prepared. I had some really cool dockers Some I put logos on my shirt. So I had really cool polos and everything. And um, I brought Jake with me, one of our, one of our CFOs. So, but that's, but not the Hawaiian, not the Hawaiian shirt. Okay. No, because I, I was I was I was branding. I had I had the brand that I thought was okay. going to be the one that was mm-hmm. going to work. And I got there, and uh, the guy that was running the show, he he, he looks up, and he goes, "What are you doing, dude? What are you doing?" <laughs> yeah, I go, "What do you mean? What am I doing?" I go, "Where's your Hawaiian shirts?" And it was like, oh, <laughs> light bulb clicked. It's like. Oh, well, I'll be right back. I was about to say, did you have one with you or did <laughs> no, you have to go buy another I had to go one? buy more. <laughs> Went downtown Chicago, bought a couple more Hawaiian so shirts. So the collection begins at that so point. So the collection begins, and now I'm 50-plus Hawaiian shirts, uh, primarily from Tommy Bahama, and I wear them everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Well, thank you for, for sharing that story. So now, so one thing that we do when we wrap up these sessions is we do the Make It Count segment. So We've talked a lot during this episode about entrepreneurship, innovation, risk-taking, those types of things. So what we try to focus on is what's the one major thing that if a small to mid-sized business owner, president, founder, whatever is listening to this, what's the one thing that you would want them to hear and to take away from our discussion? I would say the one thing to do is, you know, when you're running a business, you know, don't uh, be afraid to bring on either internally or externally, somebody that can really help you with the financial numbers and the financial numbers going forward, not the historical stuff. The, the importance of that is is astronomical. Uh, a lot of times we, again, feel that, you know, we might be the best plumber, we might be the best electrician, you know, but the finances are, you know, just really aren't our cup of, cup mm-hmm. of tea there. And mm-hmm. I think the key there is that, hey, you really need to have that financial partner that really understands um, you know, basically how to run a successful company, you know, how, how you know, basically to be able to talk your talk, teaching you how to do what you do best. And, uh, you know, in, in turn, it comes down to the, the finances. And so that's the, that I would say that's the biggest key is to really get a partner, find a partner that can really help you get yourself to that next level. Got it. So if you don't have that advisor in your corner, whoever it is, go find somebody that can give you that kind of advice. Mm-hmm. So, and that can be okay. internal or external. It doesn't have to be a CFO like myself. It can be anybody internal as well. But mm-hmm. so, but I would definitely find that partner. Got it. Okay. Well, today we've been visiting with Jody Grundon. 
who is now a partner with uh, Anders CPAs and Advisors and is a co-founder of Summit CPA Group, uh, a division of Anders. So Jody, thank you for being with us today. Thank you for sharing your Hawaiian shirt story and part about your journey. So thank you. Thanks, Dave. Thank you for joining the But Who's Counting podcast. Make sure to never miss an episode by subscribing on Spotify or Apple Podcasts and let us know what you think by rating and reviewing. Connect with me, Dave Hartley, on LinkedIn and keep up with more Anders CPAs and Advisors insights by following us on social media through the handles in the show notes. We'll see you next time.